Hello, we are Restoration Church Chicago and welcome to our podcast. You can connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission is to glorify Jesus everywhere, and that includes right here, right now. Thanks for tuning in. see him as Lord? Do we actually do what he says? It's easy to see God as, or Jesus, as Savior, as friend, as teacher, but he is Lord. He is Lord and he's King and he wants to be first place in our lives. He wants to be first in everything, as Tyron so strongly pointed out last week. Well done to those who were baptized a few weeks ago. Hugh mentioned the baptism. If you were here, it was such a sweet Sunday. It was so beautiful and well done because even though baptism is a symbolic act, right, it symbolizes what happens on the inside of us when we get saved. Um, Jesus becomes our Lord and our Savior and we go under the water to symbolize the old is gone and we come out to symbolize I'm a new creation in Christ because that's what the Bible says. But it's also the first yes that we say to the Lord once we get saved. It's the first act of obedience saying, you are Lord, and I'm proving that you're Lord because I'm doing what you said. You said to get baptized. So well done to those who did that. It was such a cool Sunday. It was awesome to see. The wise and foolish builder. I want to talk on that story a little bit just now. Some, most of you guys know the Sermon on the Mount. Um, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus finishes the Sermon on the Mount with the story of the wise and the foolish builder. And I'm going to read it for you now. It's Matthew 7, 24, if you want to look it up or follow along. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it's had its foundation on a rock. And that foundation, that rock that we're building on, is not just Jesus. It's Jesus as Lord. It's the revelation that he is Lord, that is the foundation that we build our lives on that is going to make us stand when the storms of life hit and stand when the shaking comes. Because let's read on. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rains came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. What's the difference between the wise and foolish builder? They both hear God. They both hear what God says. But the wise builder obeys. He puts it into practice. That's what it says. The foolish builder simply heard. So I would say the foolish builder didn't have a revelation of Jesus as Lord. He didn't see Jesus as Lord. He simply heard, but he didn't obey. He didn't put it into practice. And so it's that revelation we have of Christ as Lord of our lives, first in everything, that's going to help us stand when the shaking comes. And Tyron pointed it out so well last week. So another question I want to ask us this morning for us to ask ourselves is, how is my relationship with Jesus? How is my relationship with Jesus? Is he the most important thing in my life? Is he the most important? Am I spending time with Jesus? Or do I busy myself with all kinds of other things? 
maybe good things instead of prioritizing time with Jesus. And these were things I was asking myself this week. Have I compartmentalized my life so that my relationship with the Lord is a Sunday thing, but the rest of the week I'm the boss of my time, I'm the boss of my decisions, I'm the boss of my life? Do I place Jesus above everything? Has he taken second, third, fourth place to things in my life? Okay, I get emotional once in a while. But the, um, can, he can take back seat to our kids, to our ministry. He can take back seat to our ministry, to our goals and our ambitions and our dream, our hobbies. He can take second place, third place, fourth place. Or do we say, Jesus, I would say yes to you once my busy season at work ends, once I've got my finances in order, once this happens and so on and so on and so on. So many of the struggles and issues that we face day to day that we talk about, right? I like to complain. I mean, I'm honest about it. I say a lot of things, <laughs> my worries and my woes and my burdens. But so many of them can be ordered when Jesus is first. And so many of them find their rightful place in our lives when Jesus is first. In fact, it's the only way that our lives make any sense is with Jesus first. I want to talk about our motivation a little bit because Tyron also shared on that. Why do we do the things we do? Why do we do the things we do? And we ask ourselves that. Why again? Sometimes we forget, right? Why are we doing this again? I don't know why I'm doing this again. I ask myself that a lot. Why do we do the things we do? And when it comes to Jesus, why do we put him first? Why do we prioritize? It's because of our love for him. It's the only acceptable motive is our love for Jesus because we love him. If it's not because of love, it's because we should. It's because it's a duty, it's an obligation, or we might have agenda, right? I'll do it because I think I might get this. There's some agenda in it. And we're all, we're all guilty of that at times, right? Or we think, you know, if I do this, if I serve or give, then I'll get something. But then it doesn't happen, and then resentment sets in. Resentment, because things didn't happen the way we think when Jesus wants us to simply do things because we love him, just because we love him, nothing else. He isn't looking for outward conformity. He isn't looking for performance, being polished. He's not looking for us doing things because we should. He cares about our hearts. He wants intimacy with us, relationship with us. And I think of a marriage relationship because it's the best example we have of intimacy um, and for those of you who have been married a long time or you've maybe been in love, you'll know you want that person to do things for you because they want to, right? You want them to do them just because they love you and because they want to. I know for Hugh and I, you can ask him, he'll ask me, let's go out for dinner, let's go on a date, let's do something. And I'll say, my first question is, do you want to? I always ask him that, do you want to? Because I want to know, I'm difficult, because I want to know that he wants to and that it's not because he feels like it's a good thing to do. And I think that that's what the Lord feels because that's intimacy, right? You want to know that someone does things because they love you and not because you have an agenda. Intimacy with the Lord is for men too. I'm going to say that again, it's for men too. Look at David. Look at the poetry, the songs, the words, the expression that flowed out of him. And he was a man, a strong man. But he loved the Lord 
and he was able to express it, and he was able to show it. So it's for men too. <laughs> and marriages, we each have our relationship with the Lord. Don't rely on your spouse's relationship with the Lord. We can all fall into that where, you know, you think, well, they, they do the God thing and then our kids will learn from them or whatever. No, Tyron strongly said, your relationship with the Lord is your relationship with the Lord. It's not me plus the priest plus God. It's not me plus the pastor plus God. It is you and Jesus. And Tyron's just brought that home to the point where I was like, wow, that was strong for those who were here. But that was amazing because we each have to tend to our relationship with the Lord. How's everyone? Are you with me? Okay, good. Things that can get in the way of a relationship with the Lord, obviously one of the big things is disappointment. But I was thinking about, you know, we all have disappointments. I mean, think of the disappointments in the last couple years. Just, I mean, everybody had loss. Everybody had hard loss. Some of it COVID-related, maybe some of it not. But I'm sure all of you sitting here can think about loss and some kind of disappointment that you had. But disappointment really shouldn't take us away from the Lord. If you think about it, if it does take us away from the Lord, it's because we've placed that thing above Jesus. We've placed it above Jesus. Whatever the disappointment is has become more important. And then it takes us away from our love for the Lord. But that shouldn't happen. When we're disappointed, if we're truly putting Jesus first, we run to him. And we still have our lives on that rock, that foundation. He's in control. He's God. He's got it. Busyness. Busyness, I think, is the number one thing we face in our culture. The number one. I mean, we've never had so many voices and so many things coming at us and so many things pulling at us than busyness. We're busy. We have three kids. We have kids schedule sports. Hugh has his job. Um, we are running and going nonstop. Everyone's busy, right? Also, we have advertisements coming at us all the time saying, you need this, you need that. You better run to Target again. You better run to this errand. How many times do we run out on errands just to busy ourselves? Just because social media told us we need something, then we go get it. Or we flip through our phones all the time, scrolling through our phones. We're all, it's just the world that we're in. So we have to be so intentional with our time. We have to be so intentional to say no, to carve out time for the things that matter, to actually prioritize what God is asking us to do, and to say no to the other stuff. And we have to carve out time for Jesus. We don't want our schedules and our lives to be dictated by the culture around us. But if we're honest, it happens to all of us. It happens to all of us. Some of you guys know I'm reading this book on the disease of hurry, basically. Essentially, that's not the name of it, but it's like hurry is a disease. And it just talks about how busy we are and how we can't even sometimes take a day. And if we have a day with nothing to do, we don't even know what to do. Like we don't like that day because we feel restless. We feel unsure of what we're supposed to be doing. And that has gotten to an unhelpful place, right? I'm guilty of it. I can't always just have a day where I have nothing and just sit and just be with the Lord. So we all want to be intentional with our time because to place Christ first means we have to be intentional. It's never just going to happen. We have to protect our time. Protect our time. I'm saying this to myself, not allow 
everything else to dictate our schedules. And quiet times look different for everybody, but find something that you like to do that makes you feel gratitude in your heart for the Lord, that makes you feel closer to the Lord, whatever that is. It could be art, music, running, walking, hiking, and prioritize that time. Don't let anything take it away. Just simply don't. I'm getting to that way with my calendar now. If I have something on there, that thing that I've prioritized is not moving. It's going to happen because I'm trying to be that intentional. And that's, I think, what we have to do in this crazy world we live in. If you're saying this morning, I don't have time, all my hours are full in a day, then maybe I can challenge you that you're too busy. That you're too busy. And it's time to declutter. It's time to maybe cut some things out of our lives so that we're not so busy. Just to be able to prioritize Jesus because we love him. Maybe God can challenge us to declutter and simplify our lives. I'll tell a story about our oldest son. He's uh, Liam right here. He plays soccer. He got on the club soccer team when he was seven. And the the club was a prestigious club. It was awesome to be on the club. So, you know, um, we were all excited and wanted to be at stuff. But pretty soon we kind of got sucked into the, the whole pressure to be at everything and please the coach and do this so that your kid can get promoted and do everything that they want you to do and be at everything, right? And pretty soon that thing can take over your life. But we had to intentionally say, no, Sunday, Sunday morning games are not an option for us. And I, we had to tell the coach. We told the coach it was hard. It's hard to tell the coach that. I mean, he doesn't understand. So we, you know, um, we prioritize church, so we can't do Sunday morning games. And, you know, they were honest, and they said, if your commitment level could hurt your son, you know, it could hurt his place. So we understood. So it was hard. And that's starting when he's seven years old, and he's still been playing. But now, as most of you know, he made the um, high school soccer team that was extremely competitive just this fall. And there was limited spots and lots of kids trying out, but he made the team. And it was so validating to us that even though you feel like it's going to hurt them, it actually doesn't. It actually didn't hurt them that we said no when we were kids, when they were kids, and said, no, this thing isn't going to rule our lives. And that's, for us, our story. Um, and it looks different for everyone. You all have different examples now so that we can move forward in the things that God has for us. All of us have the ability to say no. We all can. We can cut back at work. We cannot let everything rule our lives. We can trust God for promotion instead of making it happen. We can trust God for promotion on the team instead of pleasing everybody to get promotion on the team. We want to trust God with all those areas of our lives. I hear often, well, it feels like an obligation. You know, so I'm not going to do it because I don't want to do something that feels like an obligation. I've said it. I used to say that. As if we don't have a part to play in it feeling like an obligation. If the relationship has become duty or obligation, we have a part to play in that, right? Just like in marriage, you can't just say, well, I've kind of fallen out of love, I don't feel the same, so we're done. You say, okay, we need to invest. We need to do a marriage course. We need to go to dinner. We need to spend more time together. We need to invest. And we both need to work at it, right? So we can't just say, it feels like an obligation, so I'm not going to do it. We have a part. We have to tend to keeping the love relationship alive with Jesus. Take time to hear God. 
take time to hear God. God always, always wants to speak. How can he be Lord of our lives if, he, if we never sit down and listen to what he's saying? This has challenged me in the last few weeks because as moms, we were sitting and with a bunch of moms and we were talking about our worries about, you know, the kids going back to school and there's a lot of concerns. It's full time. Our world is different now. So we're sharing our concerns and our worries, right? So we went home and I thought, hey, let's just pray. Let's have a fast. Let's hear the Lord, right? I mean, ding, ding, but that doesn't always come to your mind. <laughs> Usually you're like, I'll just share my worries and move on. But so we said, let's, let's pray. Let's bring it to the Lord. Let's get direction and guidance for our kids. Let's pray for them. So we decided to fast for a morning a couple weeks ago. And immediately, God, immediately started dropping scriptures and words and giving direction and giving leading and bringing, bringing what we needed to hear and how to parent in this season, giving me a scripture here and there. Immediately. And I was so convicted how little time that I take out to actually sit and hear him for the things that are on my heart. How much we just carry on with our day-to-day -day life. And this was for me. I felt like God was saying, sit with me, come and hear me. I want to speak into all the areas of your life. He always wants to speak to us. He always wants to speak. We're the ones who are too busy we are too busy to sit down and hear him. God speaks to me through um, scriptures. That's usually how he speaks to me. He gives me words. He takes me to a verse in the Bible. And the word he gave me for my kids was, as I was, you know, bringing all these worries before him. How do I teach them this? How do I do that? How do I do this? And he said, he gave me a scripture that basically said, give them a love for Jesus and teach them to obey which is exactly what Tyron brought last week. And that was as simple as it was. He basically told me, give them a love for Jesus by my own love for Jesus. Kids, you can't teach kids things. They catch them. They, they, they see things. They're perceptive. They know if what you say is real or fake. They're more perceptive than anybody on the planet is kids. They can tell if it's real. So give them a love for Jesus and teach them to obey. And now I decide, am I the wise builder or the foolish builder? I'm going to be the wise builder who puts it into practice and actually does it. And that's my part. Or I could be the foolish builder who just said, oh, that was nice. God spoke to me. Isn't that nice? He spoke to me. And then just carry on my way and do what I do. That's what it is to follow Jesus, to actually just put him Lord, to just sit down and hear him and then just do it. And we complicate it. We can complicate it. I can complicate it. I know that I can complicate it. So I asked myself this morning, along with everyone else, have we done the last thing God told us to do? Are you guys sick of all the hard questions yet? Have we done the last thing that God had asked us to do? I know there's things God has told me and shown me that I haven't necessarily done. It could be writing. This came through in our prayer time this morning. It could be writing. He might have told you, invest in your church, invest in an instrument, start writing, start a business. What's the last thing he told you to do, and have we done it? And that will reflect if he is Lord. That will reflect, are we actually following him, right? Those are, I, I have things I know God spoke to me that I haven't done. Tyron shared Psalm 32.8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. That's it. I will instruct you. I will teach you. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. 
Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but have to be controlled by bit and bridle, or they won't come to you. This passage talks about how God wants to speak and lead and direct and guide in every area of our lives, but sometimes we resist and have to be dragged along or we're stubborn or we don't want to go where he's going. We have a Portuguese water dog. A lot of you know our puppy. Well, she's three now, so she's technically not Pepper. She's a Portuguese water dog. She's a sweet dog. She's beautiful. She's super strong. And finally, after three years, finally, of every day walking her, I finally kind of have her trained to follow. Kind of. So I have the cue is follow, um, which I want her to walk next to my legs so that when I'm turning, she's, for those of you who know, have, you know, you have big dogs, she goes with me, and I don't have to yank her or drag her or pull her, but sometimes she still, you know, locks in on something, and, and I end up having to drag her along when I'm turning, or she doesn't want to leave the squirrel or whatever she's looking at. But that's how we can be with God. We can be pulling in our own direction, and this verse says, just come with me where I'm leading. Like, just come with me where I'm leading. Don't pull in your own direction. Not always, but sometimes when things are hard in our life, we do have to ask ourselves, am I pulling in my own direction or am I going with God where he's wanting me to go? More questions to ask ourselves. <laughs> okay, Jesus above everything is the only way. Jesus above everything is the only way. And Hugh and I felt it was the challenge from Tyron last week. For us as a church, but the church isn't you or I, it's not this building. The church is every single one of us asking ourselves, is Jesus above everything in my life? And continuing to say yes to him, prioritizing our time with him, prioritizing the things that God is on about instead of asking him to get interested in what we're about, what we wanna do, but actually prioritizing what God cares about and continuing to say yes to him. We have said yes to him as a church. We have said yes. That's how we're here. So the challenge is continue to place him first. Continue to say yes to him. The Bible said Jesus is our inheritance and our great reward. The mission is not our reward. The calling is not our reward. Your calling is not your reward. Your dreams, your ambitions, my dreams. The inheritance and reward is Jesus. Is Jesus. Jesus is our prize he himself is our prize, not the stuff we get to walk into. And I want to end with Psalm 27, looking at the longing on David's heart. David's heart and his love for God. Psalm 27, 4. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. This only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Let's allow Jesus to be in his rightful place as first in our lives and most important to him. And if we strayed away from that, then let's just simply come back and say, Jesus, I've let something else take first place or second place. And let's let him be Lord and Savior. Let's respond by asking if we love Jesus enough to keep him first and the most important. Thanks again for listening. We hope you were encouraged. Don't forget to connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram.